Painted Arrow Podcast, committed to taking you beyond the pursuit. So today is October the 8th, October the 8th, and this entire podcast is going to be the, the entire story of the Holy Spirit buck that I shot on October 1st. One week removed. One week, one week removed from the, the Painted Arrow Acres, surgically removed, and um, we've been, we, started a, we started a podcast series, Devin and I did. He wasn't at the first series, and that um, that episode is out, episode 56, Whitetails in Ohio, T-A-L-E-S. And if this is the first time you're listening, we do want to plug this real quick before we get to the story. Yeah. Um, we're looking and we're traveling the country, if it comes to it. We are looking for epic, elite stories from outdoorsmen of whatever species it may be. Obviously, it's called whitetails, but it doesn't have to be a whitetail. And you can submit a story either by just DMing us and saying, hey, you know, here's a buck I shot or here's a here's a mule deer I shot. And it's a you know, really crazy cool story. Um, but you can submit uh, on our website, paintedarrowoutdoors.com. Go to the top. And there's a tab up top that says whitetails. And you go on there and it's just, you know, you fill in the information, you press submit, and we get that sent to our, our phone. So we can view that, and we'll get in touch with you mm-hmm. as appropriate. Anything to add there? No, I mean I'm excited to see the like how the first episode's received. See what people think. Mm-hmm. Um, this is effectively going to be episode two. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a little different because we're you know we're covering the whole story ourselves. We're going to be releasing a video on the deer and all this stuff. But <clears throat> in a lot of ways, this is White Tails episode number two. Absolutely. So I'm going to go way back. I'm going to start way go back. Go way back. Um, Get, please. First, if you would, I want you to qualify, like, where you were at. Like, before, you don't got to go too in-depth with the house hunt and stuff. But, like, mentally. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in-depth. Okay. I'm going to go in-depth with everything that I remember about this deer. All right. Because this is, uh, me, personally, as a hunter, this is like a this was a big deal for me. And, you know, other people, you know, might look at this and, this deer and say, Hey, you know, I see those all the time or whatever. But for me personally, this is just more than a deer and our whole slogan of go beyond the pursuit. I mean, this, this, this spells that whole statement that we talked about on our, you know, a new beginning podcast when we talked about what that really truly meant. Yeah. That, that, that's exactly what this whole story was for me. So I was living on a boat over in West Michigan um, I bought a boat. It was, it was in rough shape and I was living on it for probably three or four years, three and a half years. And at that time, like my, my unconscious thought process was like, I don't want to live in the state of Michigan, so I'm not going to buy a house. Does that make sense? Because of, of what, like your experiences out West, you thought you might be going out there. And it, this might sound funny, but I was completely captivated with the mountains you know, my experiences out there, like I had lived in Miles City, Montana for um, a little bit less than a year working for the fishing game. And I was a Creole clerk for, um, for Miles City Fishing Game Department. I loved it. And at that time in life, I was still in 
college and you know I was in a relationship here and just I wasn't expected to uh I wasn't expecting to kind of move out there and they did actually you know offer a, a job to me and I was just completely captivated by that area and uh you know I was living in this boat thinking that you know this is going to be something I'll be able to live this little lifestyle it was very cool I miss it a lot actually but I'm going to live this lifestyle and then when it's time to really settle somewhere I'm going to pack my things up and I'm going to go west and I had had these conversations with my lady and we were prepared I was waiting for her to graduate basically and um, we were going to take off and and it was going to be a big leap of faith on on both her and my part you know what I mean like it's just a big move I mean right. we didn't really have any ties out there except for the people that I'd work with and these are just I know I don't I didn't have any friends my age all this to tell you I was living on a boat for three or four years packing away money and planning to move west mm-hmm. and that was kind of my thought process but during that time out there there was I was wanting to like invest in real estate in a big way and you and I had discussed a lot of these things and there's a there's a down the road there was a place that I ended up really digging into and almost putting an offer in on this um over in grand rapids or over that, or that over in the state. little um you know beach town that i was living in oh, okay and um really really digging that area long story um made short in that aspect is i started looking all of a sudden i was looking at business opportunities and ways to invest and all of a sudden i started looking at properties because you tell, tell me Devin. From what age was it for you that you started like dreaming about owning your own farm? It had to have been early. Yeah, I don't I don't have a specific age for you, but I mean I grew up knowing I was gonna buy property someday because my parents had property and it was just like that freedom to just like as a kid just wake up on a Saturday and go build a fort in the woods. Like none of my friends could do that because they live in neighborhoods. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I just knew that was gonna be a thing for me. Like my my grandpa had a farm, my uncle has a farm, my my parents had. 22 acres and it's yeah so i i knew i was a, that was the pathway for me i don't know how long far away that was but we'd always looked at land together i know yeah, we have yeah, yeah. shot you know like the things that we were we were just so far out of our scope of being able to afford it right just oh you know just dream about 100 acres and you know mm-hmm. having to be yours and growing up watching my grandpa on his 40 acre farm i thought that like when i went out there I remember as a kid like the, the feelings that you get just about how admirable that was and having the garden and right. having your grandkids over to help you split wood like that was captivating to me in a big way as well mm-hmm. so kind of pivoted started looking naturally at properties i'd always been looking at properties you know and being into real estate and and um so i start looking at these properties and it was the end of you know coming out of a a couple of years of, of i was struggling as a bow hunter in a big way mm. Hunting is obviously a huge part. If you listen to our podcast in any aspect, like it is just, it's what we live and breathe. So that was a big part of, of my life. And looking at, looking at some of these farms, I started walking them. Like I probably walked 10 or 15 different properties. And, um, and at this point, like you didn't know if you were going to stay here, but you had already been looking at like houses and investment opportunities. So you're like, kind of in limbo waiting for your lady to graduate so you're like you weren't you weren't at this point still like thinking i'm gonna plant roots and maybe stay in michigan you were just kind of looking to look right absolutely yeah okay my intentions were like i was like 80 20 i'm moving west yeah yeah i don't even i can't even explain to you why i was doing what i was doing 
Right. You just were. It's like a tease to myself. Yeah. Fair enough. And so I start walking these properties, and I remember it was late December, like towards the end of that fall season where I just was having real, you know, I was struggling big time in terms of getting it done with a whitetail. And I was living and breathing, like elk hunting a couple of years before that. But every time I would hunt for whitetail, I would just really struggle. I really would. And I couldn't get on deer. I wasn't seeing hardly anything worth pu- pulling your bow back on, you know, and, and my um, – you know, my criteria anyway, like I just wasn't having good opportunities. And I remember there was a property over in Battle Creek and in, in this Penfield, um, little small Penfield township. And, um, I remember seeing, um, a really nice buck. It was probably a 140 class inch deer when you were walking the property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I bumped him out of his bed. And I remember like thinking that specific place, like it's, it's, you know, it's late doe season now in the state you know, in Michigan and that deer lives here. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these properties that I was looking at big parcels of land with houses, like these are the, the only reason that they're for sale in the first place is because somebody died. They no longer run the farm. And basically the family had six or seven different siblings and they wanted to cash out. Yeah. Get rid of the farm. That's, that's basically what I found out. Cause most people can't maintain that type of ground. Mm-hmm. So, I remember this specific property in Penfield. I saw this big buck, and he was injured, and he was living right next to the house, probably 150 yards behind the house, real deep. It was 90 acres total, and it was like 75 acres of it was swamp, just thick, gnarly swamp. And I remember seeing that buck down there, and I was just like, something clicked for me. I was like, wow, like that deer lives here. And you could tell by the sign in the area, the rubs, the scrapes, all that, you know, postseason, it's all fresh sign that you're seeing. And I was just like, wow, like that deer lives right there. Like this is where he feels safe. So I have this criteria on my cell phone of like the properties that I was just interested in. Like I wanted, you know, X amount of acres and I really wanted it to be like a symmetrical property. And I had all these different little things that I was looking at. And every time I would get a property alert, that property would come up and I would, first thing I would do, I would take that address and I would copy and paste it into Onyx. Shout out to our sponsor Onyx. Mm-hmm. God bless them. And I'd look at the, on the topo map, like what was going on. Then I'd make a decision if I'd want to go walk it or not. That's kind of how, that's, that was my process. So this property comes up for sale, the farm that I ended up buying, and we have a whole separate podcast about that. I think it's like episode 50 or something like that, mm-hmm. um, how I bought my first farm, a deer hunting farm, and that goes a lot more in depth with it. But basically I remember having that come up on online, and I looked at it, and I, I didn't like it at all. Didn't like it for a lot of different reasons. It wasn't a symmetrical piece. It wasn't. It wasn't this, it wasn't that, it was, you know, I just didn't like it, and I remember that I end up going and walking it. Well, you said you breezed over it for a while. Oh, like, yeah. Like, you didn't go walk it initially, you looked at it and were like, eh. And then, some time had gone by, sitting around, nothing to do, because COVID basically shut the world down, mm-hmm. and you're like, eh, I'm going to go walk that piece. I did. That's exactly what happened. And it, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was December 23rd, 2020 at about 1245, 1 o'clock. And uh, I remember walk, you know, basically driving. It was I was staying at my brother's house at that time because mm-hmm. when I was living on the boat um, during, the, during the spring and the fall, I would have to winterize the boat because I was going to live somewhere else during the, you know, during that, that period. I couldn't live out on the boat during in the, the winter. winter. Right. It just wasn't happening. Right. Some people do it, and they get bubblers, and they do everything, but the marina that I was at, they didn't allow it. So every year, for three years during that time, I was doing a lot of labor to, to winterize my boat and, and 
basically I was renting month to month. And I remember I was staying at my brother's house in Portage. And uh, I remember talking about it with him. I'm like, look at this property. What do you think of that? He's like, oh, well, what do you get to lose? Go look at it tomorrow. And it was like, you know, I had the next day off. So I called my realtor. She was up in Lansing. And I go over there and I said, I don't, I don't need you to drive down there for me. I'm just going to walk the property. Like, yeah, I don't need to go in the house. Just give me permission to walk it and I'll, I'll call you back later or whatever. So I remember like it was yesterday, man, like December 23rd, 1245, I'm rolling down the dirt road and I, I kind of, I'm, I'm basically driving the road frontage looking at this property and, uh, you know, I got the maps up and my, my left hand's on the steering wheel, my right hand's got my, my cell phone. I'm, I remember just like looking back and forth, like really getting a good drive-by feel of where the property lays out, what's the neighbors doing, you know, what, what, uh, where the houses are, like taking intel for hunting purposes. And I'm driving by the house and I look over and there's just this big old rack sticking out of the CRP, like 20 yards off the road. On the piece that you're going to look at. Like 50 yards from the house, 75 yards from the house, open field, CRP field. I remember seeing this this giant rack. <laughs> I was I was just like I double triple took like it you looked like a, the brakes. I did. It, it looked like a decoy. Hmm. That was my first thoughts. I was like, oh, there's a de- there's a deer decoy deer. There's a deer. And I was just like, oh my god, look at that rack. That, that's all I could see. I couldn't see his eyes. I couldn't see his ears. I couldn't see his face. Just this big old rack sticking out of the CRP. So I go down to the end of the the road whip it around, come back. And I remember getting out my phone and like taking pictures, standing outside my truck on the, on the little footstep there and kind of getting a little bit of a elevated view at him. And I was like, Oh my God. And I'm pretty sure I called you right then and there. Yeah. I said, there's 160 inch deer out here. I've never seen anything like it. He's like, and you're like, what do you mean? Like just right, right by the road. I'm like, he's, he's 20 yards from me right now. So I end up going and parking. I'm like, no, I think I go, is he injured like is he dead yeah like he's just laying 20 yards from the road yeah uh-huh so i end up going and parking in the driveway and i get my phone out and i go out and i purposely walk from the house and i bump this deer and i wanted to get a video of this deer and at this time i'm i don't even remember quite what i was thinking but i wasn't like i wasn't like oh i'm buying this farm like i wasn't right. i wasn't there like i wasn't that wasn't my thought process anyway go out and i bump this deer and i take a video of this deer running away and from that moment from like that moment of me seeing this deer you were captivated completely like and you hadn't walked property yet you're 20 yards off the road and i it's hard it's hard to really um like for the listener, like at that point in my life, I'm a big believer in God. Like he's my, he's my savior. Jesus Christ is, he's a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. And I was praying and I was really in a rut, you know, as a young man, like, like what, like I need a sign. Like I was praying like, man, this is a really big move we're talking about. Like my whole family knew about this, like going West. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were, they were like my mom. I remember it was like, I really don't want you to move. Like, I know it's something if you, you know, you feel like you want to do need to do like, will support you but like we're gonna miss you like crazy my mom, i remember having conversation with my mom like that and she'd tear up yeah so i remember praying like crazy and like i i always i would get down on my knees and i would say god give me a give me a sign like my grandpa always talked about he, there's this one story he told about how he saw something in the clouds one day how it looked exactly like what he was praying about and he 
he said he saw it in the clouds, like a cross in the clouds. And it was like the most, like nobody else really believed him. And I, you know, being a young kid, I remember hearing the story. He always told it. And uh, I was just like, man, that's far-fetched, but if that's your thing. <laughs> and uh, I remember praying and I had seen a lot of different deer. Like, I'm not trying to tell you that I didn't see a lot of deer walking these different properties, but something about that exact moment at about one o'clock on December 23rd, 2020, I was just like, wow yeah like i just felt something different in me like immediately and um what's really key about this 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 story is that it is late season right this is where the deer lives deer like mature deer are typically in the late season after the guns have been fired and the orange army goes out especially in the state of michigan where we have more license sales than any other state in the entire union and that means a lot on December 23rd. Yeah. There was no doe around him. This buck was bedded in his home. And that's key to this story. And where this buck ran to on the property was into this about five-acre chunk that we now call the buck nest of basically swamp, thick trees coming out of the ground and encased in CRP. Mm-hmm. And the closer you get to this five-acre, like, timber chunk, the the grass gets taller around it. So it's like six foot crp the closer you get to the timber it gets real tall real tall real tall and then it's just like it's this sanctuary of like five acres and uh i remember him running down in there and i was walking the property i had my muck boots on i had all my gear i'm I'm walking the property i have my binoculars and i watched his buck go down there and disappear into this little area and uh, i ended up walking down there circling it and um i end up continuing i didn't see that buck again but i ended up walking to the back piece of the property and i saw another really mature buck again i saw him within 15 to 20 yards he was a 140 inch class type deer yeah big deer the place where i saw this the holy spirit Mm -hmm. and the place where i saw that buck was within 300 yards so so that buck you bumped 20 yards off the road was deemed the holy spirit and the reason we call him the Holy Spirit, it, this, this naming of the deer, like that's all new to me. I've never named a deer, never had an opportunity to name a deer, you know, um, hunting public land a lot, hunting a lot of small pieces of private that I had permission on in the state of Michigan. Like I never consistently had intel of a buck that I could like name. And, and hunt. You know. Yeah. But that deer was uh, was just immaculate, just a beautiful 10 by, uh, sorry, 5 by 5, 10 point buck at mm-hmm. the time. So I ended up walking again, see this 140-class-inch deer tending a, a young doe mm-hmm. and kicked him out of there. And uh, at that moment where I saw that second deer, I remember calling my fiance. I was like, you're going to have to talk me off a ledge right now. <laughs> I was like, I'm really liking what I'm what I'm seeing out here. Was she for or against going out west? And maybe she was okay with it, but like one or the other, was she more – leaning towards wanting to stay or more on board with going out west that's a question you're gonna have to ask her but i what i would probably tell you is that the the girl that i'm about to marry this spring would do anything for me yeah okay you know what i mean yeah so she was on board with whatever you were the pilot she She, was the co-pilot and she was she she she's uh she's the woman for me and she supports me in any way that you know she can and yeah i try and reciprocate that but she's she she would have done Whatever. She would have done whatever, I think. Okay. And and made a good face about it. Yep. Um 
but yeah, I remember I came back, I walked the property and like, I, I was blown away, just blown away. And the house is a secondary thought, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> we I didn't even get to look at the house hardly cause we didn't have access to it, but that first day. Mm -hmm. So the realtor comes out same day. Um, I, I remember calling in and I was like, Hey, I'm real interested in this property. Like I want to, I want to get out here and I want to walk it, um, the inside of this house with my lady. When can we do it? And she's like, okay, let me talk to the other realtor. So she ends up, and there was, there was a, there was a couple of different people looking at this piece and it all of a sudden became like a, there's no pressure to, there's a lot of pressure because there's potential other offers coming in quick. Right. So we end up long story short. We end up getting into a kind of like a little bedding war and I made an offer and um, I remember coming out and look, the house was not, I mean, it'd be an understatement to say this house was not a very nice house. Like it was, we should have bulldozed the house. Yeah, it was a fixer up. It was the fixer upper of all fixer uppers. Borderline like rebuild. Yeah. I mean, we ended up pouring new concrete footers for the foundation to sit on all of the, there's a lot of water damage and there's a crawl space and basically the water rotted the house um, joists and main beam from the bottom up because water would pool underneath the house. We found this out in the spring when we were doing it. We were actually inside the kitchen where we ripped out the floors and water starts pooling underneath the house and our boots were walking in water. Like there was no gutters. We ended up completely rebuilding the house, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm fast forwarding through a lot here, but trying to keep this on the deal. Well, hang on. Yeah. Okay. So, but anyway, you, multiple offers you end up getting the house end up getting the house short. yeah we bought the house we own the house i'm I'm the owner of the house bought yeah. it in february and the and the property obviously yep february 2020 i'm a i'm a farm owner so and at that point well actually hang on you're fast forwarded through something important go ahead so you were saying like you were at a crossroads you were 80 20 i'm going out west mm-hmm we so, still might so, go out there someday. Right. <laughs> but, so mentally, though, you're like, okay, this, this piece might be the piece for me. Like, what was that like where you're like, okay, I think I'm going to stay in Michigan and buy this this property? So at that time, I was thinking this is like I I'd, I was going to parcel off the house if I had to, an acre or two, and keep the land mm -hmm. if that's something I still wanted to pursue. But at that point, like – Ah, okay. Like at that point, I, I really needed to make a change. I needed – like – it was hard for me to work from a boat. I, yeah. I worked from a home office and working, working, like it was just it was hard to do my job effectively. And uh, there's a lot of a lot of different things that roll into that decision. But basically, I'm thinking, my lady's got to finish school. I got time right now. It was in the heat of COVID. Yep. I got time to 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 do this work, and I got time to make this something where I could potentially flip it if we wanted to. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so that was, that's what drove your decision. So it wasn't like, okay, I'm officially not going out West. It was just, a, we're going to try this out. We're going to stay here. It's more of a, just not right now. Yeah. Potentially, unless potentially. you end up loving it and living there for a long time. But at that point you were like, it's just a not right now. We're going to, we're going to buy this farm. Yep. So you buy the farm. If we were going to move out West, it wasn't going to be for at least another year and a half because Lexi hadn't finished school. Right. Fair enough. Okay. So February, you buy the property. Buy the property. Spend and the spring rebuilding the house. Literally four months. There's there's so many details of that, but like right. completely rebuilt the house. And yep. um, all while thinking about this encounter with this deer that you saw on December 23rd that you've deemed the Holy Spirit. 
oh yeah <laughs> like that's what's on my mind right like this deer once in a lifetime deer he made it through the season he's going to be something spectacular next year right so so as much as the focus was on the house i have to imagine your mind's thinking like i gotta get some cameras out get eyes on. i gotta find this deer i gotta find him that's exactly right so during this time again 99.9 percent of my efforts and time specifically time is going towards the house but the first thing that we did when I took possession in February is you came out with me once. My dad came out with me a few times. My brother came out and we probably walked the property just like to show my family, to show my friends, like we walked it just to get an, you know, an idea of what's going on. And that time we're looking at all this sign analyzing it and analyzing it with like heavily. I think that's the most important thing that I learned from you buying that farm is the, the value in doing like intense postseason scouting because mm. all that sign is so fresh all mm -hmm. the foliage is gone the things you can see that you wouldn't have seen early season because of how much cover there was like the amount of intel i think that honestly i think that's a huge contributor to you finding and killing that deer the 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 like the single most important thing i, I would say going into the future if, if you're a hunter and you're listening right and you're trying to get on to a you know, a deer, whether it be public land or private land, I don't care. Right. You see, um, um, what's the, I'm sorry, I'm losing the name. Um, he, he's got however many bucks in the, in the books. Eberhart. He, Eberhart. Thank you. Eberhart is a bit, he talks, he talks about this all the time, doing all of his spring scouting, looking at that fresh sign, cutting and you're trimming your lanes and you're, you're getting prepared for the next fall in that spring. Mm-hmm. At, just after the season's over. Yeah, but even in, like you did it in December. That was, season wasn't even over yet. Like you said, you had a buck ten and a doe, but mm -hmm. that sign was so fresh. And let me tell you, that first time I walked it, like we kind of skipped through that, but I mean, I walked it. Yeah. I didn't. I dissected didn't. Dissected it. I dissected it. I put on at least. I think I had my tracker on. It was at least a couple miles, mm -hmm. and um, just looking in every nook and cranny, and you know, I, I had a real good idea of where deer felt safe during that time, midday, right? I don't think we mentioned, too, how, how many acres is the farm you bought? 66. 66, okay. And about 50 of that's in CRP. Yep. So, Which that's all in a different podcast that you can find out more about. Yep. Go and look it up. It's it's about how I how I bought the first farm. and Right. If you want to listen to all the juicy details, you got to go back and listen to all of them. But yep. basically, um, I learned a lot just from walking that property mm -hmm. in the early spring, getting all the intel from the sign. And you start to, at that time, I didn't really figure out where I was going to put stands yet. Like, that was an afterthought. But I did put out cameras really early. Like, I put cameras out early, early, early spring. During the spring while well, you're working on the house. Correct. Like you just, like, you had already dissected it throughout the winter. Probably had six or seven trail cameras out in, like, these. And, again, I said 50 acres of it's open field. So, it, you do, it did help me. Like, if it had been all timber, it would have been very... Um, it had been much more difficult to get on sign, but like the camera locations, they kind of revealed themselves after looking at the maps a ton, looking at, um, the property from the topo layer and just like, like keen in on like certain main intersections. Right. And I ended up having about six or seven trail cameras. That, that's what it ended up being. And one of them was in this buck nest area where this, this, the Holy Spirit had ran to the day that I saw him. And I immediately, I mean, like, I'm talking, 
I mean, we talked about this many times, but we, we were seeing trees down there the size of your, I mean, like five inch, six inch in diameter trees, just, just, just Shredded. destroyed. Mm-hmm. And what gave it away, like I remember walking through there with you and looking at the height, yeah, the height of them. It's like not many deer can make a scrape that high. Right. Because they're using the, uh, what do you call these burrs on the, on the pedicles right. where they, you know. Like the knurling or I don't know what you call it, but. That that's what's really shredding these trees up on any buck, really. But you can tell a lot by the height of them. And I remember seeing some scrapes where these tree limbs were like broken, you know, just kind of hanging over over a good scrape. And looking at the height of it, I remember getting a tape measure out on this this tree behind the barn. It was legitimately like six and a half feet off the ground. Tree limb broken over a scrape. And I'm thinking, I mean, I know deer get up on their hind legs and they do these things, but. I mean, wow. I was yeah. just like, wow, that's really far up the ground for a deer to be making a scrape. Yeah. And there's not many deer out here that can probably do that, but that deer that I saw. Mm-hmm. So going into the spring, I think I had gone down into this buck nest. Like we actually walked it probably two times in like late December. Um, and then once in the spring with you and once with, uh, I think my brother. The time I walked it with you is before you even bought it in December. Mm-hmm. I didn't walk it with you in the spring. I went went down with you uh, in the summer, and we hung that set. Mm-hmm. But when I came down and walked it with you, it was before you owned it. Mm-hmm. We were just doing intel. Mm-hmm. I think it was the second time you'd walked it. Yeah, I, I went with you the second time you'd walked it before you bought it. Mm-hmm. And um, th- there's a main scrape, like I said, in the buck nest, and I had a camera over it. And I had cameras that were closer to the house, and I had cameras that were way far away from the house. The ones that were right behind, you know, just around the house, I would check frequently. Right. I checked that camera down there one time in July. So I'm fast forwarding through some 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 months here. And I think you put cameras out like say April or May, way early, mm. and you checked it in July. Like, checked that camera down there specifically. First time I ever checked it was in July, and he was in there. That buck was in there. Like, like confirmed it was him obviously the same deer that you bumped because you had real good footage of bumping him out of his bed well it's tough to it's tough to really at that time like i'm thinking it's him because he's dropped his antlers right well hang on i thought you got a picture of a deer that you thought might be him in may on a different camera not the buck nest right behind the house yeah yeah it was just like it was just a deer we couldn't really tell what it was but he had big real big pedicles for for early may yeah like for in may velvet little nubs coming out of his head And they look like baseball bats. Yeah, Louisville Sluggers. Like so, so it was, and you could just tell based on the body, like that's an older deer, mature. No deer. way to tell it was him correct. at that point. And that was not on the buck nest camera. That's but then correct. The buck nest camera, you check in July, so you've already got suspicions. Like, oh, maybe, maybe this one's him. We don't know, but maybe this one that we got on the other camera's him. You check in. It's key to know that besides the buck nest and this one camera right behind the house, I wasn't getting any deer like big buck pictures at all. No, right. Not a lot of velvet. I'd get the occasional, but like. No, nothing to lead me to believe that, you know, this is the core area. And it's tough to tell because we always talk about on this podcast how deer, you know, they live in different places during different times of the year. Right. And they make their core area during the feeding season when they're packing on, you know, putting on antler growth. They're real close to the food. Right. But in the fall when they rut, it's not necessarily the same place. And I remember getting down there in July and I saw, I saw this buck for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. He was he was half half grown out, mm-hmm. and just I mean he looked so much different because when all the other deer were starting to come up in velvet, like their antlers were their tines were going north. He was still going out. He was still going out, 
and that's the thing that we noticed specifically about the deer that you bumped was that's a wide deer he looked like a moose real wide and and the 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 place of this camera was so cool because it was like every picture was intimate yeah you had it like up up a ways kind of at a downward angle so you were like right down on top of him and the one thing that was real specific about the holy spirit was that he he always spent a lot of time like at a like when i got pictures of him Mm -hmm. i got 15 pictures of him right and my camera is usually set to about eight seconds right so if i got pictures of the holy spirit I got a lot of pictures of the Holy Spirit all at once, like bam, bam, bam. He was just posing his antlers and all these different, like, it was like a guaranteed thing, like, that's that deer. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, midsummer, right? We checked it in July. I remember thinking, midsummer, like, this is where this deer's making his living right now. He's got to be skirting this, this tree line on the far east side of the property. Right. Okay. To get out to ag. To get out to ag, if he's bedding down there. Right. And, I remember putting a camera over on this east line, just right along the line, basically. Just on a hunch. Yep. Just thinking like maybe he's he's skirting that trail, and I put that out there, and uh, this is sometime in late August, probably. Um, no. No, it was late July. I think you found you checked it first time in August. And he was there. I got one day. He was there in daylight. At 9.30 in the morning. Skirting that edge. And he was literally eating tree, like the tree leaves off of the tree that I hung the camera in. So I was like getting pictures inside in this deer rack. spread. Yeah. And he ended up about 9.30, 10 o'clock, making his way down towards that area that we call Buckness. Onyx is the number one GPS hunting app on the market. If you don't have Onyx, I would highly consider trying a free trial where you can get access to all 50 states and all of the mapping features and tools. Onyx allows you to send waypoints to your buddies, see public and private boundary lines, and see where you stand in live time. And also has a new weather feature that allows you to track weather and wind so you can stay on top of your game. Literally, it's a no-brainer. If you go on your computer, not your mobile device, to onyxmaps.com and use the promo code PAINTEDARROW, you will receive 20% off your elite or premium subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. There's nothing I like doing more than hunting elk in the western states. One of the main challenges of hunting big game species in western states is actually getting a tag. Furthermore, it's actually understanding each state's drawing systems, which can seem like a chore to figure out for beginners. Go Hunt is a company that has figured out how to simplify this obstacle for basic folk like you and me. GoHunt offers a subscription service called The Insider, which gives you access to the most accurate draw odds, species breakdowns, and strategy articles out there. Before I started using GoHunt, I would spend hours filing through kill harvest reports and data sheets looking for a good unit to hunt in. And using The Insider has streamlined this process, making it easier and more efficient than ever before. This has allowed me to find a place to go hunt, hence the name. Visit GoHunt.com to find out more and to start a free trial with the Insider subscription service. Shoepex Sporting Goods in Jackson, Michigan has been in the business of selling outdoor equipment for over 30 years. They have over 1,000 new and used guns and over 500 new bows for you to choose from. This family-owned and operated company goes above and beyond to make sure that you are taken care of when it comes to buying gear. Use the promo code PAINTEDARROW5 at the checkout and receive 5% off your entire purchase. Yes, that does include guns and bows, folks. Go down to Shoepex today. 
So at this point, at this point, it's it's coming up on season, right? It's midsummer, and I'm like getting really excited, getting a lot of cool deer footage in velvet, lots of other bucks in the area, um, down in that buck nest when I checked in July, and um, those other deer, you could kind of tell what they're going to be, right? And good ones, yeah, very something to be excited about, right? And so then this gets to a whole different piece of the stories where I start seeing this deer. The Holy Spirit. I start seeing the Holy Spirit, like, in live time. All the time. All the time. You Like, you and the Holy Spirit were homies, and you guys hung out a lot because mm-hmm. you saw him a whole bunch. I can't tell you the amount of times I'd get a text or a phone call, like, dude, I'm jogging down the road, and I just found him. He's in a bean field midday. I want to note this. This is, like, I want to note this very much right now. Right. Is that I... When I would go for runs, they're, they're square mile blocks. So I would go on a run, and I would, you know, specifically run my route around deer habitat. Like, I would specifically run and look for sign while I'm running all the time. Yeah. That was a part of my life, riding my bike, going on walks with my lady. We would always walk these routes. It was, like, around our property, but still within a – a deer's range and i remember seeing this deer i don't know how many times i'm trying to count here like one time i saw him mowing the lawn yeah in the middle of the day i saw him um in this in this drainage where the water was when we had our drought same drainage you saw him again a different morning mm-hmm. on the other side of the road i was getting up to go to same work drainage the other side of the road right driving down the road and i saw him early morning first light going back into this chunk of timber not on my property yeah going going back to bed at early that morning yeah and um i start kind of keying in on this the neighbor's property like there's a chunk of probably 25 30 acres where he'd been spending a lot of time and the beans are kind of turning i saw him a couple times um and i have footage of all this i have footage of all this so this is like heavily documented videos um footage of me you know phone scoping through binoculars and whatnot and i late summer the beans are just turning yellow and this deer's coming out of this, this 25, 30 acres of timber on the neighbor's property quite often. I think I saw him five times in a month, in the month of September and the later part of August. Mm-hmm. And I was getting real worried because the creek in the back of my property was dry, just bone dry. Yep. And this deer was completely, like I would see him regularly to, like, to believe that he was not bedding anywhere on my property. And I know that this neighbor hunts. Yeah. I know he hunts. And I'm getting kind of nervous about it. And um, the last time I saw this deer was September, like, 2nd or 3rd or something like that. I saw him hard-horned in person coming out of the beans at about 7.30 just before dark on, like, a Friday night. He come out and... um, Still on the neighbor's property. Still on the neighbor's property, come out just before dark. And me and Lexi were watching a, a show... And I look out in the bean fields. I got my glass in the, on the counter. And I look out, and there he is. And I said, oh, "We got to press pause. We got to press pause real quick. Like, I got I got to go check something out." Um, and so that was the last time I saw him. Yeah. Not the time. I had a ladder up against the side of my house. It's still sitting there today. I get up on top of the roof, and I can see down into the buck nest. On your property. On my property. And I was getting up early mornings and always late at night, right just before the last 30 minutes of light, I'd get up there and I'd glass down in that area and see if I could see any deer. And I had never once, ever, 
saw him down there ever, mm-hmm. ever. Never once, never once caught him skirting anything. And I'm talking like dissecting that area with the glass. Never saw him once. Hmm. Am I missing anything here? No, I think you're, you're crushing it. So on September 29th and September 30th, I'm in a tree in my saddle down in public land in Ohio. And I'm hunting deer. And I had bucks come in both nights. And I remember September 30th, I had a six-point coming in at about eight, eight, nine, ten yards, something like that. And um, it was right at right at prime time, like five, ten, you know, minutes of light left. Like, like if, if a big buck's coming out, it's going to be like right now. Real quick, so September 29th, 30th, that's before the Michigan bow opener. So se- season still had not opened here. You haven't hunted your property yet. You were doing some public land hunting in Ohio. I just yeah. wanted to qualify that for somebody yep. who does October know. 1st is the, the archery opener. Here in Michigan, yeah. So I remember being down in um, – I remember being down in Ohio, and what was really key for this specific area, and again, the last time I checked the camera down in the buck nest, I was just completely, like, not going down there. Last time I checked it was July. July. So I didn't really know what was going on, but I took a lot of intel just visually seeing this deer. So I I was kind of worried about this, you know, early season. There's so many different uh, tactics and techniques and ways to get it done in the early season and i remember like it was consuming my mind i was like i think you might be missing one thing that i just i am i am missing one thing we went down there um and hung a set Devin and i yeah there's still one other thing i'm thinking but go that's important too i forgot about that so yeah that's one other thing so the one time that we did go check it yep in july um i think that's when we went and hung this set we hung that set yeah so we went down there, checked the camera, and between this scrape and between this bedding area mm-hmm. within the buck nest, there's a trail, and I basically hung a ladder up in there with Devin with with no, like, seat or cushion or anything, just just a ladder. I was going to climb up to the top yep. with the sticks and basically hunt from the saddle because I like hunting with a saddle 360 degrees. I can shoot. I feel a little bit better and more comfortable. And we hung that set, and... <laughs> And, uh, that was a real, that I remember going down in there to hang that. I was pretty stressed out cause I didn't, I knew that deer could potentially be right in there. Right. And we uh, did it midday though. Too. We did it perfect. We waited for the right wind. We did it on, on a rainy day. And I remember being on the top of a ladder, not USDA or OSHA approved <laughs> on the top of the ladder with a pole saw Devin's in the top of the tree. Saying, cut that limb, cut that one, cut it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's two real good clearings that we had cut yep. up in these poplar trees. There's a line of them. And I was probably 30 yards, 35 yards off the scrape and about 60 to 70 yards off this bedding area. So my thought was, is like, and in this area, this is the best spot for a, a stand, getting in undetected, like all those things. And you, you tell me, like, what do you remember about that day? I remember sitting at the top of that ladder <clears throat> watching you fall on all these limbs. And I remember looking at this trail and I remember just thinking like about this vantage point that we have and how well you can see. And I'm like starting to think like, man, when leaves start coming down, like we still got enough cover up here. Like I'm going to be able to sit above him and film all this. And like, it just felt like the spot. And I'm like, there's just like this trail right down below. And I could just visually see 
I felt like I could see how it was going to happen. I'm like, this, I, I could just see him coming right down that trail. Yeah. Yeah. Right down that trail. It just felt right. You said it. You said it out loud. You said, I can just see him come right down that trail. Yeah. In this right shooting lane. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I remember climbing up there. Something really key to the story is that this, this sticks that we hung in there was 20 foot. And then the bottom of it was touching the ground and the top of it, very top of it was 20 foot. Yeah. So basically I was either going to, my, my plan was to get up in there. I could take a platform, I could take my tethered platform and like fasten it to the tree, or I could just use the top of that ladder as my foot stand and I could use it as my platform right. while I was hanging from the saddle. Are you jumping into your first sit now? Cause I got, I have one other thing I want to add. No, please. Yeah. Okay. So, so we just, we just updated when we hung the set. That's important. If we jump back now to September 29th, 30th, you're hunting in Ohio mm-hmm. that week before the opener something really key happened and we got a whole bunch of rain mm-hmm. oh yeah thank god we got a whole that. bunch of rain and your concern leading up to the season was you knew where he was living and it wasn't on your property and you thought a big driver of that one was food but bigger you thought that that water that water that gully whatever you want to call it that buffer strip on the back side of where you knew he was living it had water in it and you're like that's why he's living over there there's no water yeah it was bone no dry. water on your property but that week leading up to season we got dumped on with rain yep we had a, we had a legitimate drought in Michigan. Yep. And um, that was a big point. I remember feeling. I remember calling you and saying, "Hey, it's you know, <laughs> rain makes corn, corn makes whiskey, and it also <laughs> makes a really big deer." Yeah. Yeah. So, so we get dumped on with rain that week, and I remember thinking, like, man, this this could be the thing that that has the Holy Spirit coming back to what is his core bedroom, because even though he was living somewhere else for much of the summer, we knew based on previous season or sorry uh, previous intel and past season like when you walked it he he's living there like your property's still his bedroom he might deviate from there for one reason or the other specifically during the summer when they're motivated strictly by food because they're packing on antler growth and all this stuff but i still felt like all the data we'd collected still told me like his his real bedroom if he could pick and everything was perfect is on your property yeah and then like it started getting a little chillier yeah, we had a we had a little mini cold front come through, and I remember like we you, this was a big year for you and me, and um, every year is going to be a big year for you and me in terms of understanding deer better. But I remember we were thinking real hard about like where where deer spend their time and what times of the season. And um, fifty yards behind the barn, I put in a, a horizontal rub, and um, it was late September. I, I I had checked this camera the most because it's really non intrusive. It's right behind the barn, like. I got a little path cut, real, real easy to get into. And, uh, late September, I go down there and check this. And, uh, I was down in Kentucky hunting. That's what it was. I was down in Kentucky hunting out of state for about four or five nights. And I come back, I hung it just before that. And I come back, I check that camera that I hung over this horizontal rub I put in. And this is the same location where I was telling you, I took a tape measure out six and a half foot off the ground I saw this you know this branch it was stuck in my mind that branch six and a half feet off the ground that's where I put this horizontal rub and I hung all these licking branches in the area just to make it like real attractive and it's on this little path right behind the barn mm-hmm. like, like deer doesn't deer don't come up there unless they're making a scrape like right. there's no reason for it's them it's to... like this weird social site they're not going to bed there but it's like this it's like an intersection almost of and travel I, pattern I hung that camera on that horizontal rub that I just put in and I come back from Kentucky, and I checked it a couple nights after I got back, and he was in there. Right. He was in there with a branch hanging off his antlers, and 
uh, I got a video of him in the video. Only one of his eyes were illuminated. Yeah. And I remember thinking that deer's blind. I remember thinking like that deer's blind in his left eye. Yeah. Like he's blind in his left eye. Like there, why, why are his, both of his eyes? He's looking right at the camera. Like I'm sure he, he was doing like one of those head bobs. Like he didn't yeah. make a rubber scrape, but he had antler. His antlers had limbs stuck in them, stuck in them. And he was just walking through to look at this area, and he did like a look at the camera for a long time in the video. One of his eyes was illuminated. Mm-hmm. So I remember thinking, like, he's coming out to 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 put his sign out to, like, it's it's getting that time, you know. So you hadn't seen him on trail camera, quote unquote, since you checked the camera in July. That's so you've been watching him all summer through August and September on the neighbor's property. Then you check this. This is the first time you would have seen him on trail camera. That's correct. Since, since then, mm-hmm. since July, um, although you'd been watching him, and at this point you've still not checked the camera down in his core area. That's correct. And you wouldn't check it before season. That's correct. Okay. So, so I remember thinking uh, a lot of people were asking me. You know, I got a a lot of people asking me like, know about this deer and what what what's your plan like for opening day like what is your no that and like what like how are you going to kill this deer how are you going to hunt him okay because i mean he's daylighting all the time i'm starting to get worried somebody else is going to figure him out and like all of a sudden there's going to be a bunch of hunting pressure and i remember keep getting this this question asked to me right in that time frame of i'm hunting down in kentucky i'm hunting public ground down in ohio and i remember a bunch of bunch of people asking me like hunters like what what's your plan to kill him and i my answer was always like if I'm going to get an opportunity at this deer, I think it's going to be in this, in this ladder set that Devin and I hung way back. And I'm going to catch him coming between this scrape and a bedding area. And that that's going to be the opportunity where he, he feels safe in there and he's going to, he's going to present himself and I'm going to get a shot. And I just remember saying that to a few people. And I remember, I think we even have it on record somewhere yep. that I feel real, real good about that area. So it's September 30th. I'm in the stand. I got this six point underneath me back yep. to where I was. In Ohio, yep. And I remember looking at the wind, and it has to be a south or a southeast wind for me to hunt there. It has to be. It just has at to be. At the buck nest. At the buck nest. Correct. Okay. And I wasn't getting any other pictures um, anywhere else, really, of the cameras that I did check. I wasn't getting a whole lot of footage of, of him at all. At all. I didn't get anything of him. And you didn't want to go down and check the buck nest camera because you were going to be going in there to hunt in a couple of days, hopefully. Well, I'd, I'd glass from the roof and I'd see a lot of deer out of there. Right. None of them were him, but it's just, there's just, there's a lot of deer down there. Yeah. I didn't want to get down in there and, and funk and, it up. Right, right. September 30th, I'm in the tree stand, Ohio, and I got this six pointer underneath me. And I remember right then and there, it was just, legal light had just ended, and I'm, I'm up in the tree stand, and I'm looking at my phone, looking at tomorrow's wind. And it's a southeast wind. <laughs> I remember just thinking, like, <laughs> I'm going to go down and hunt down there tomorrow morning. And I wasn't planning on it, honest to God. Yeah. I was not. I was not planning on going down to hunt this deer just because I had seen him so many times on the neighbor's property, and I wanted to have him settle down in his rut location, and I was going to go down and kill him sometime late October. Yeah. So I get home. <laughs> real late you know i'm driving back from ohio and i I get home and i told my lady i said i'm getting up early tomorrow morning i'm gonna go go down and hunt somewhere and uh alarm goes off about 4 a.m and i perk up out of bed and i remember lexi looked at me like 
what are you doing up? Like, yeah, it's 4 a.m. What are you doing? I said, well, I'm going hunting, you know. So, so I get up. So, hang on. Why are you getting up at 4? Because I wanted to get down there early. And you wanted to get in there before the deer were coming back from feeding. Le- legal shooting line was about 6.59 or something, or six, late 6 o'clock. Yep. So you get up, probably take your scentless shower. Take my scentless shower, do my do my routine, make the coffee, kiss my lady, go out to the barn. All my stuff's in the barn. Yeah. I go out, and I'm, re- I'm documenting this whole thing, so there's a video coming out on a lot of this, but I get down into the barn, and I'm just excited, you know, like first ever hunt on my farm i know i got a i got a buck out there that's but you know it's just a different type of excitement when you know that there's a big deer running around i've never had that feeling right and it was just i remember being just so excited like just geeked out i was wide awake you know and um get out to the barn get all my stuff scent proof my boots the wind was perfect i checked the wind again i wasn't going to go down there if the wind wasn't right it had to be a south or a southeast wind and uh south or southeast wind. and it, it was real cold that morning which is like really crazy we didn't have any cold weather coming in it was about 40 43 44 degrees that morning real crisp air and all the crp grass was soaked real just wet just soaked and uh i i go i got a little idea of how i'm going to access it and I, I i take my approach and i get almost down to this to this area and i realized i forgot my saddle <laughs> forgot my saddle in the tub in the barn so i'm like pissed at myself right i was just so excited though like right my mind was going all over the place and i end up coming back to the barn getting my saddle on and i also remember i wanted to grab another sd card because on the way out that morning i was going to switch the sd cards put a new sd card in i also had some batteries in my pocket so i forgot those things too so i came back up got my saddle got the sd card got the batteries went back into the house again got my batteries now I'm going back out a second time. Take the spray, spray down my boots again. Now I'm soaked because the grass is just, <laughs> it's wet. So I go back down in there, and I get down in there, and the the little path leading into these trees, um, there's real tall foliage in there. I mean, easily over 10 foot. And we kind of had, like, trimmed a little trail to get in there, but it all kind of, like, tipped down over. So it was like this tunnel, basically, and I could tell deer were using it under like way down low, but I'm, you know, six, three. So I'm walking through this grass, making a bunch of racket and I'm like stressed out. Like, wow, like this is not how I, you know, anticipated this going. Yeah. And I didn't have my light. I didn't want to shine a light in there, but I get to the bottom of this tree and I start my ascend, you know, like I, I'm, I'm real meticulous. I creep up the tree. I got my saddle, my tether. I'm trying to be safe. It's dark. First time ever hunting there. Didn't have anything set up, but the ladder. So I get up in there takes me about 30 40 minutes to actually get like bow up in arrow knocked and i'm like i can hunt did you take your platform or did you use the sticks i did i set up my my tethered platform probably equal exactly equal with that 20 foot mark at the top of the ladder okay so set it all up i get gussied in i got my bow hanging there and i'm drawing back my bow in the middle of dark you know like preparing I can't really even see the lanes yet because it's just pitch black, but I'm, you know, I'm drawing back my bow and I'm practicing kind of rotating around the tree and here's my shot one, here's my shot two, and I can kind of shoot behind me, but I didn't think it was going to happen there behind me. I was like pretty confident if a deer came through, it was going to be inside this little area. So I'm sitting there and 
I'm documenting, you know what I mean? I'm taking some pictures of the sun coming up. And just about when that sun kind of hits, hits that horizon and it comes up, like, you know, the birds start doing their thing. And I'm just, I remember feeling like the first ever hunt out there, I was just, I was just in heaven, you know, like, this is mine, you know, this is just a beautiful thing. I'm blessed. I was just having all these emotions. And I, I hear a, I hear a deer making a scrape on that set where that camera was. How far from you? 30, 35 yards. Okay, so you can't see it, but you know where it's at. Yeah, through a line of trees and a lot of brush, and I can I can remember here hearing a deer walking around in there, and I remember thinking like, wow, like, there's deer in here, man. Like, I could hear I could hear deer walking around, and that sun's just coming up, right? The sun's just coming up, and uh, it's about six six fifty seven, six fifty eight, something like that, and legal shooting lights like right at seven, and all of a sudden, I hear that deer making that scrape or whatever. And there's a lot of different bucks in there. Right. A lot all, of different deer, a lot of different doe, fawns. I have so many videos of fawns milking on their doe, like their mother doe, right at that scrape. Deer bed underneath that scrape. It's just a natural intersection of all sorts. A few minutes later, the Holy Spirit is like right below me at 18 yards. At, at first light. At first light. And I remember like... I remember, I remember he came out and I didn't even grab for my bow because it was like so early. It was just, it was just, it was just like, it couldn't be almost. Yeah. I remember like not even reaching for my bow. And I remember just staring at this deer just like right below me. And I just see this white rack just doing, you know, like every time his head moves, like his, his antlers just respond to his head moving. Like it's like a really immediate action. I could just yeah. see these antlers like moving around. Like I was just like, my heart starts going, you know what I mean? And uh, something we talked about a bunch was keeping your composure in the moment, being a good predator and keeping your emotions under control, practicing that shot that you'd practiced with your bow, thousands of shots in the summer, and just being in the moment and making a good shot. And I remember that deer comes out, and I'm like, it took me a second. And honestly, honest God, I did. Like, I was just like, like, this is it, you know? Were you rattled for a minute? I don't know if I was rattled. But my heart started, you know how, like, yeah. no, you, your exactly heart starts doing that thing and you can't control it. Yeah. But in my head, I'm I'm locked in. I'm like, like, I'm going to keep my composure. And I remember grabbing my bow and I flipped on the light on my sight. Yeah. Because it was, like, first light. Flipped on my light. And there's three different settings of illumination. One's highest, two's lower, and then three is, like, the lowest light. And I put it on, like, I went right to it because I've had instances in the past where you turn it on number one and that whole light just kind of, like, takes up your view. Yeah, so you put it on the lowest. So I immediately did that. I was like, boom, 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 one, two, three, get it down to the lowest light setting, grab that bow off its hanger. I kind of rock around him. My left knee's on the tree. My right knee's off of it. And that tether, I'm just kind of hanging from that tether, and I'm looking basically on my, uh, it would have been a, if the tree's right in front of me, that's my one o'clock, right? Mm -hmm. So this deer was at my two or three o'clock. So I got my left knee on the tree and I roll back and I draw and he starts to walk south. So he's quartering away. Mm. So he starts to quarter away and I, I go, you know, just, just to like, just like stop, like, and he like stops. And I get my pin on, and I take a breath, and I let the arrow go. And immediately, it sounded like grass. It sounded like I hit grass, like, like, 
that's all it sounded like. And I just was like, the, the deer bounded off. And I was just like, what the fuck just happened? Like, I was cursing myself. Like, thought you missed. Oh my God. I was like, I remember my heart, like, my heart's starting to go right now. Like, I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like, I just messed up big time. Like, I was cursing myself. I was like, what? Like, I prepared yeah. for that moment in my head a hundred times. And I remember just like, freaking out big time like the deer bounds off how far at that time i thought it was about 30 yards okay 30 35 yards and he stopped mm -hmm. you knew this were you keeping eyes on him i could i could i could see his tail bound off and then the, the, i mean this grass is tall so like i could see him bound off and then i couldn't see his tail and it was like for like a good five minutes where i didn't know what was going on and i was like in my own head like you just messed up like you messed up it didn't sound like that, like that thwap that you want to hear, like, and the yeah. deer takes off, the deer bounded off, and I heard nothing immediately. It was just bound, 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 tail goes down, and I'm like, I'm in my own head, like, that deer is going to live. I just missed it. Cursing myself. And 10 minutes go by, and all of a sudden, I can see this deer standing so he was right still there. standing right there. He didn't go anywhere. 35 yards. I put another arrow in immediately like even before i saw him i put another arrow in like immediately and i for the next like he, he i remember i got a picture of him i had my binoculars up and i put my phone up to my binoculars and i took a picture of the steer and i could see an entry wound a little bit back but exactly like, like where i was aiming because mm -hmm. he's quartering away i could see this this entry wound and i remember like looking at it like I hit this deer, but he's just standing there fine. And there's three or four things that's happening that's really key to the story. He's flicking his tail like crazy, which I know is good at some capacity, you know. Mm -hmm. I know I know, I hit him, and his ears are pinned straight back, and his back's hunched up, and his mouth's kind of like open. Ugh. And for the next two and a half hours, I watched this deer bed down, get up, walk a little ways, bed down, get up, walk a little ways, bed down, get up. He made four different beds. And every time that he would get up, a doe would come in and look at him, and this deer would stand up, walk a little ways with the doe, he'd bed down, the doe would keep going. Three different doe did that. And the second doe that did that, this is a really interesting part of the story, like that doe licked his entry wound. And I remember sitting there thinking like, this deer is the man in here. Like these deer know him to the point where he, I, I felt that as if every time a doe walked up to him, he would get up and show that he was still fine mm -hmm. and that this is still my area. And these doe, like they knew this buck. They knew him. I could tell by the way that these deer were moving, like this deer runs the show. Yeah. Four different times he gets up and beds down. That last bed he made was in like a low area. And, yep, it was in this low drainage area when it rains real good. Water's throwing, going through there and kind of leading to this this creek on the back side of the property that we were just mentioning that was dry for a long time. But when it rained, that's where all that water is. Yep. So he beds there for a while, longest he had bedded. He gets up, walks out into the CRP field, out of my life, out of my sight, out of my mind. And at that point, I'm like on high alert. What are you thinking? I'm 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 stressed big time, 
big time. Like so, so you knew it. You you knew at least it wasn't I ideal perfect shot because he would have been dead. Let, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something here. I've I've injured more deer in the past than I ever care to mention. It's part of growing up as a young hunter and bow hunter in archery. Yeah, I've I've injured more deer than I care to 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 either like ever talk about. I've yeah. had a lot of blood trailing opportunities where I end up shorthanded. I see that deer walk out into that CRP field and I can't glass him anymore and I freak out. I'm like, I'm freaking out. Mm-hmm. Two and a half hours to go by from 7 a.m. to about 9.30, he walks out. I remember sitting up in there probably for 30, 40 minutes after I last saw him and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to, you know, different people like, like, what do we do? And I remember talk to you like, we got to find the arrow, get down, find the arrow, give me a call back. So I get down, I go down, I look for the arrow about 9.45, 10 o'clock. And this deer is key to note that from the last time that I saw him to the point where I'm at, it was about 109 yards. From my tree stand for the last fourth bet he made, walked out in the CRP field, was about 109 yards. So I get down, go look for this arrow, and I feel in my body like I'm very close to this deer. I need to be very quiet looking for this arrow. Get down there, look for 30 minutes, could not find the arrow couldn't find it look in the grass all over couldn't find it i back out i kind of make a really educated and like specific route back to the barn and i go up to this vantage point and i'm glassing for the next like the rest of the day basically we're glassing from this this tip looking into the crp field where he had walked out hoping to get a glimpse of him bedding back down or something hopefully not bedding back down but hopefully dying dying but basically looking for this deer you end up showing up. My dad comes out. It's about four o'clock, and it's a it's a. I guess it's worth mentioning part of the story. That I call it the blood tracker, like a hound tracker. Yeah, because we we had a hunch. We were hoping. Uh, initially, you thought, "Gosh, I hope it's not guts," but based on what we were seeing from him and his body language, I think we both felt like you liver shot him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. And so, based on that, we knew he was going to die. And our our approach and our thought was, we're going to give him time. He went down in that creek bottom. It's shaded down there. There's cool water. Uh, we weren't as concerned about the meat at that point because of where we had seen him go last. We're like, we're just going to give him plenty of time, and we're going to go recover this deer. Mm-hmm. And part of that was you called the, 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 the dog tracker to see what he thought because – Nobody tracks more deer than a dog tracker. They've seen it all. Yeah. They usually see the not-so-optimal shots. So if someone's going to give you good data, it's that guy. What do he have to tell you? And the first thing I told him, you know, I told him the story. Like, I hit him back. I got a picture of it. And, uh, oh, it's key to mention, too, that when I was looking for that arrow, I did find a little bit of hair and a little bit of dark blood, but there was no trail. I mean, just right at the entry and exit point, just a little bit of hair and a little bit of red blood. And what I thought was, like, a little bit smaller than like a nail. Your pinky was like a, like a, it didn't look like meat, but it looked like liver to me. Spongy. Like a spongy piece of organ. Mm-hmm. So I tell him everything that happened. He goes, let me guess. He interrupted me. He goes, let me guess. The deer's tail was flickering 100 miles an hour. His ears were pinned back and his back was hunched. I said, yeah, that's exactly what was going on. And he goes, you either hit him in the liver or you hit him in the stomach. Give him at least 10 hours. I require at least 10 hours. This is the dog tracker speaking. I require at least 10 hours before I come out on a liver shot, 12 hours for a stomach shot. 
he, he one thing he did say though is like that deer's gonna die it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when and what they're doing is they're running a real high fever that's what he asked you he said is there a creek nearby any sort of body of water i said absolutely and he laid in this his fourth bed was in this this watery low area in the shade he goes, yep, these deer run a real high fever, and they're trying to get their body temp down because they're going into shock, and they're just trying to cool their body down. They're, he's running a real high fever right now. It's not a matter of if he's going to die, but when. And, you know, that's when he, when he was at 35 yards away from my tree, first thing you asked me is, why didn't you put another arrow in him? I didn't say, why didn't you? I said, did you think about trying to shoot again? Yeah, and it's during that time, that was very much on my mind. Like the the first place he's standing, he was kind of butt away and I couldn't get an arrow and it just wasn't right. There was tree limbs in the way. And, mm-hmm. but the, the one thing that's key is he was not spooked. Yeah. He had no idea what happened. He was not spooked. And I didn't want to throw another arrow at a long range where I was all jittery and have him sail out of the country with no blood trail. Right. That's the decision I made in the moment. So five, five o'clock rolls around. Devin's behind me. This was our plan that we were going to eventually have half our plan. We were going to have somebody watch that field while, while two of us go down in there. And we ended, we ended up kind of not doing that. We said, Hey, we're all going to go down in there. I'm going in first. Devin's following me with the camera. My dad's behind Devin. I said, I want you guys to stay in my path because if we don't find this deer, we're going to call this dog tracker and I don't want to mess up the scent trail by us grid searching everywhere. Right. And, this is the raw, I mean, this is this is the real details. I want to tell you guys exactly what happened. We get down in there, and we go to the spot of impact. We, we couldn't find the arrow. We looked for the arrow for a second. The second and first bedding locations was real ambiguous. It was just super tall grass, no blood trail, and couldn't find any blood. Go right to the third blood, um, sorry, third bedding location where this deer was by a bush, real recognizable bush, and he stood there for a long time, went right to it, and what did we find? found a bunch of blood on the ground we found a bunch of blood on the ground so and you said you you turned to me and you said because i was pointing to it and you turned to me and you said yeah he stood right here for a long time yeah and, and then, now again we it's me i'm like standing in basically near the blood like right on the blood yeah devin's filming me behind me and my dad's behind devin and for us to all walk to the fourth bed in this low drainage spot where we saw him for a long or i saw him for a long time mm-hmm I was going to have to walk through you and my dad to get to that point. Yeah, we'd have to turn around, basically. So Devin's, Devin's filming, and I look at this blood spot, and I look up to look to the fourth bed, and I see this deer struggling to get up and run. After 10 and a half hours, right in that fourth bed, probably 10 yards from us, and my dad's real close to him. We walk right by him. I'll qualify that by saying... I wouldn't say he was struggling to get up and run. Like he was, um, he was in his last minutes. He was he was in his last minutes. He would, he was not. Uh, he didn't have enough left to get up and run. He was he was bedded, and arguably stuck down in this creek. We walked so, right by him. Yeah, we walked right by him. He was laying down in this creek where you had last seen him. Only thing I could see was his antler, his his right rack sticking up out of the, out grass. Of the grass. Yeah, you couldn't see him down in there and that's the thing is right as you turn around, I'm still filming the the blood spot that we're standing at and you turn around and look back past me which would be behind me. Mhm. And you immediately go I was freaking out. I don't even know what you said. I was on I think, full I think stress you, alert. I think you said don't don't move, he's right there. I was like don't move, don't move cuz this deer was struggling to get up and your dad you were talking so fast. 
your dad and I had no clue what you were talking about. And you were pointing like 10 yards from us. So we're like looking at him and I was like, there's nothing there. Like, what are you, what the, it's right next to us. But what you had seen is like, just like he moved a little and all you could see was like the rack flick up above the grass and then yep. it kind of went back down. It's mm-hmm. so like, we didn't see it. He was entirely covered up. And unless he moved just right, you'd see the, the rack come up out of the grass again. Um, and I don't know how long the moment that was like from the point where I got you guys attention, like to just not move. There yep. was definitely like a moment of silence of like, cause every step we were making was like, like yeah. really loud. No, we, we paused and nobody wanted to move cause we were worried about bumping him out of there. And I remember getting my, I mean, I had my bow and everything with me and I put another arrow in and I make like three steps towards him to get a, to get a look. And he picks his head up just for a second and I see his body and I let an arrow fly probably like what? Seven yards. Yep. Let an arrow fly. And now he's thrashing, like thrashing. I get up right on and put another arrow in him. And that right. was it. Yeah. That was it. And, and, and in hindsight, the second arrow may not have been necessary, but it was like this flood of emotions of it was such an intimate weird experience i can imagine what you were feeling was i don't want this to last any longer than it currently is like i need to i i owe i owe it to this deer to finish this now mm-hmm. and so you put that first arrow in him and your your instinct was like uh, uh let's do it again like that's let's let's put him out of his misery i put that second arrow in him so basically three arrows now I mean, right where you want to put him. Both yeah. this, these second shots were right where I want to put him, and mm-hmm. he was still like not that, like you know, not dead yet. And gotcha. I was like, I was like, I, I mean, we we filmed it, and I haven't watched that footage yet, actually. But yeah, I remember like I'm like, what, like what do I do? Yeah. But but I, I if you watch the footage back after that second arrow, the second follow up arrow, I mean, it was in the pump station, and as soon as because because I wasn't standing where you were, I was standing behind you with the camera. When I took two steps forward and I could actually film and see where that second arrow hit, you can hear me keep saying, he's done, he's done, he's done. Yeah. And at that point, like it was seconds after that second arrow mm-hmm. where he was, he had, he had finally expired. And there was this, it was a weird moment. It really was. There was this weird moment where, you know, I could tell you were overcome with emotions. Your immediate reaction was, um, and correct me if it didn't feel this way, but I think your immediate reaction was almost uh, disappointment or uh, like anticlimactic. Like you felt like it was a little anticlimactic in that um, that he wasn't still dead or he wasn't dead after that long. And I'm looking at you, and I kn- I know what this deer means to you, right? Mm-hmm. And like you had said, you know, bow hunting things happen in bow hunting that you can't control entirely and i just remember thinking like um i i don't know i i had pictured that moment being different than that i had pictured that moment so many times Mm -hmm. like i told you when i saw that deer i didn't even reach for my bow because i was just like i was just i don't know I had pictured that happening so many times, and I didn't picture it going that way. Mm-hmm. That's life. That's you know what the I mean? important part. Is like, uh, actually, f- finish your thought. I don't want to interrupt you. I'm sorry. I mean, that, that, that's just it. Like, I, I, I'm not just another guy out here like getting his bow out a couple of days before the season. Like, I'm 
I'm dialed. I'm ready to go. My mind's right. And my mind was the most important part of this piece is like, I knew I was going to get an opportunity at some point at a good deer. I didn't know when and how all this was going to lay out, but I knew that in that moment I was going to really compose myself and make a good shot. And I'd imagined it going a hundred different ways, but like that. Yeah. And I think, um, we had a moment, you, you, you said some words that I really needed to hear during that moment. Like we hugged it out for a second. Yeah. I think I might even have cut the camera to do it. I don't remember. I might've kept it rolling. I'm not sure. You, 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 you said some words that were real important, you know, like it's <laughs> bow hunting. It's a tough sport. We're taking life. Yep. And you said some words that I really needed to hear at that moment. And the, one of the key things that you said was, it's kind of a down moment in the story almost. And I really want to capture it. Cause it's like, it's this important. is, this is very important. This is not something that you want to see a deer do. I, I was highly stressed out for about 10 and a half hours. Mm-hmm. And we get in there, and it, it happened completely different than I thought it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And we, we had a moment of silence. My dad goes off to get the tractor, and we, we sit there. Hadn't even pulled him out of the grass yet. Hadn't even seen his rack. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just we hadn't even looked at the deer yet. And we're just sitting there, like, gathering ourselves. Yep. Because – there's a part of this that you said, and I don't know if you can remember it and re-say it, but we owe it to ourselves to enjoy this deer. You know, like th- this is this is something. This is a moment that we need to remember, and we're gonna we're gonna take this deer out, and we're gonna enjoy the yep. the positive side of this. I can't again because it, it was an emotional roller coaster for me too, and I'm not even the one that you know shot him or anything. But I think where I, where my mind was going is uh, what's done is done, and at this point, uh, honoring the deer is the most important thing we can't take back this that and the other thing the thing that that nobody can question is how much you did prepare and what that deer means to you so what everything we do from from this exact moment right now going forward should be focused on honoring this deer and enjoying this moment and documenting it Mm -hmm. Um, because again no one can take away how much you do prepare how much you do care and what that deer means to you and i think that's where my mind was and i saw you going down this rabbit hole and i'm like I don't know, like it, this moment, although we don't want to celebrate the way that it happened, still needs to be enjoyed mm-hmm. and documented and, and talked about. And so that's like, that's where my mind immediately went to. And I think we, we quickly kind of changed, it the quickly to- changed. We changed the tone of that moment to like, okay, that happened, allow ourselves to feel what we're feeling, but let's let's honor this deer and do it as service going forward with with how we proceed. And that moment did change when we pulled him out of the grass. It did. It did. It did. I mean, it did. That deer. Talk about a mature animal, just a fighter. Just. I have an important thing. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I really don't mean to interrupt. Uh, and maybe you were going to get to this, but the thing that was most interesting to me about him being an old, mature fighter of a deer. These deer get so big and strong, um, for lack of a better way of putting it, like they don't, um, they don't die easy. And I think the thing that shocked me was when we actually field dressed this deer and looked at what your first shot did. Oh my gosh. So it was so a good shot for, for us to walk up and that deer still be alive 10 and a half hours later, my mind immediately went to, okay, well, our, our thought of it being a liver shot or something that's out the window. It must just be a stomach shot or a, just a pure gut shot, something we opened 
this deer up and your entry went in he was quartering away exactly like you said the the exit came out on the offside shoulder Mm -hmm. and you went through clipped some stomach hit the liver and clipped a lung Mm -hmm. using buzz cut broadheads everybody's asking me what kind of broadheads i've been using 150 grain buzz cut broadheads the guys at shoe packs dialed me in like razor sharp broadheads clipped the stomach hit the liver hit the lung Mm-hmm. And that deer's still alive, ten and a half hours later. Just a fighter. So no, it wasn't a double lung right through the heart. You know, no. But for the shot that you were presented, it came out on the offside shoulder. You hit stomach on the entry because of how back, how far back you had to aim. Mm-hmm. But you hit the liver and a lung. I, I, I was shocked at that deer. I mean, they're just tough, tough animals. Yeah. They're really tough animals. And I think that, in a way, gave you a little more uh, confidence or peace of mind because it's not like it was a missed shot. It was I a put well, the best possible it shot. It was a well-placed shot with with the light conditions and the location of where the deer was standing. Mm-hmm. It was. And something we didn't mention, like, I'm 23 foot in the air. Yeah, elevation pay, played a big but, – but, but on the wound on the deer, it didn't – It didn't look it, like it. It didn't did. look like it. Maybe it hit a rib or something. I don't know. But we got him out of there, and we really did enjoy that moment. It was it was an incredible moment, and and um, the the this sheer beauty of this buck. I mean, just a once in a lifetime deer, you know, in the state of Michigan, just on my on my farm, first ever hunt, first day out, first minutes of light, mm-hmm. beyond my wildest expectations and dreams, and um. There's a there's a 60 day drying period before you get a deer officially scored. Yep. We did rough him. He's going to be in the upper 160s. Mm-hmm. For those who are interested Real in that. Interested in that, yeah. I don't know what'll net, but um, who cares? He's a six by five, beautiful spread, 21 and uh, 21 and a half inside. I think he was. Yeah, big big mature whitetail, and um, yeah, man, <laughs> just an cr- incredible deer. What did he dress out at? Yeah, we got him weighed 205 pounds. Um, I've been eating him already. Big old deer. Big old deer. And um, the balls on this thing. <laughs> I mean, I haven't shot a whole lot of big old mature whitetails, but. <laughs> wow. Just gifted. Yep. Just just a big mature animal. And Wow. I, I was blown away in that moment. I'm still blown away. I can't believe the hunt's already over. And I can't believe how much we both learned from this deer. I mean, you got to hunt him for one day, mm-hmm. but the amount the the amount of things we learned from this deer in the off season. I mean, they've changed how I hunt. One key part to the story, and we're gonna close it out here. Mm-hmm. We pulled that camera card. Yeah, we did during that during that ten hours. There's two things I want to end on. Yep. Pulled that camera card. We got pictures of him walking through there, that hitting morning. that scrape that morning, which is really cool. He's in there tearing stuff up because, again, the last time we, I checked that was July. Got a lot of cool photos of him tearing trees up, and that was really cool part of the story. Yeah, and there was a period of time where he was missing from the farm and he wasn't showing up on that camera mm-hmm. uh, during the time when you were – seeing him on the neighbor's property and then right about in line with you know two ish weeks before season when we got all that rain Mm -hmm. 
he started showing back up on that camera again just to remind everybody like hey i still own all this like i might have been hanging out might have been across the street you know he was putting his sign down yeah he, he he came back to let everybody know like i was on vacation but i still live here you know so last last interesting thing i woke up the next morning my lady's a physical therapist mm-hmm. she knows the body well she knows muscles that's what her that's what her degree is yeah she's a doctor i woke up the next morning i couldn't walk my whole body like right here in my hip flexors and like i couldn't walk and i was building a deck that next day and this is lexi's diagnosis but she thinks that like the stress induced portion like physically i was in shape like i'd gone out to kentucky and like slept in my truck for five nights and was saddle hunting and i was saddle hunting two nights before and yeah. i go in for an easy morning hunt for an hour and a half and i come back and the next morning i'm like i couldn't walk and she's like you literally you, your stress stressed your body out so much that your muscles were fatigued, fatigued. Wow. i couldn't walk dude that's crazy I, I couldn't get out of the bed hardly i was like what is going on like i'm an old man <laughs> I, I, it was incredible the That's, amount of stress like I was under mm-hmm. with this deer. Just wearing it. I thought that was an interesting, very thing, interesting. But beautiful Michigan buck. This this is a story. Of the Holy Spirit, big mature buck. If you haven't seen him, go to the Painted Arrow Instagram or Facebook. Check him out. Painted Arrow Outdoors, and uh, get a look at him. But if you guys, I'd love to hear any thoughts on this story. I, I would love to. Um, I'm even open to criticism, believe it or not, even though we got it done, go to our uh, website and hit that contact tab, paintedairoutdoors.com, hit the contact tab and you can send us a message. So if you got a big bucktail, submit it on whitetails and, uh, thanks for listening along. It was a special story and it was cool to share. Yeah. Stay tuned for the, the video content around the Holy Spirit. It's coming. Not exactly, you know a full hunt video necessarily, but we got a lot of stuff that we've documented all summer with them. We've documented the whole recovery. We, I mean, we, there's a lot we've got to share. So yeah, the actual shot we didn't get cause it was just, yeah. just didn't pick it up. Not the, enough camera too dark. Yep. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you. And until next time. Whoa. Well, now don't go anywhere. Uh, as some kind of behind the scenes footage, the day that uh, I shot this deer, uh, while we were waiting to go after him and on the blood trail, we all sat down on a podcast, my dad, Devin, and myself, and it was kind of cool because we captured the moment, and I was really stressed out at that time, and uh, <laughs> it's kind of cool to just get some real live-time thoughts. Uh, Devin did some interviewing, my dad did some talking, and I did a lot of talking as well about kind of what I was thinking and what we were planning on going into, what we were hoping to go into. So check this out. This is some behind-the-scenes footage, some extra extra things that you can um, look into on the story. So enjoy this. And we are live. Where are we live from? <laughs> this is Painted Arrow Acres. We're in the, the pole barn. On October 1st, 2021. Epic day. Friday. <laughs> the day we've been waiting for. Dad, will you do me a huge favor? Well, first we got Jeff Hicks in the house, my so, old man. We got Devin Cole, and we got myself. 
Will you do me a huge favor and pull up that Bible verse you were just reading? Yeah. Um. Wow. <laughs> There's a lot going on right now. Emotions are running high. High emotions. We got to start. Let's start off with that Bible verse. <laughs> so this is uh, Jesus talking to Nicodemus with his very words. John 3 says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound. You cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Amen. In other words, what does that mean to you? That's one of the change that last part to the, So it is with everyone who searches for the Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot tell where it go comes where it goes. <laughs> it goes with the wind. And that is very fitting for the moment. <laughs> Go ahead, Dev. I want to give a little context. Good, please. No, why don't you give a little context? Me? Yeah. What are we doing? What are we talking about? So the Holy Spirit is the buck that we've been after. The Painted Arrow crew has been after. <laughs> for how many hours? <laughs> <laughs> We're in day one of the season. That's ah, not fair to say. There's too much to completely recap yeah. here, but this morning... October first, got up four thirty, went out. I'm 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 leaving fast a lot forward. of details yeah, fast out. Forward. First light, deer comes out, just how just how it was written up, and we got a uh, we got an arrow in him, and it was a little bit back. It's a liver shot, most likely. Got a little bit of blood at the scene, and he's been he's been he's been sitting out there for going on ten hours right now. And you, you backed out immediately. We backed didn't take any chances. Just, well, actually, you shot him, sat there, watched him for a while, got out of there. Yeah, he, as soon as I hit him, he bounded 30 yards off, and he immediately had his back, you know, hunched up. He was all, he was uncomfortable, ears pinned straight back, tail flickering like crazy. And I knew it was a, I mean, I had my glass right on him so I could see my entry and I could see my exit when he eventually turned around. But within an hour and a half to two hours, he had got up from a bed and rebedded four different times. And at the last possible point that I could see him, he was at 109 yards. And he exited my field of view and went into a CRP field. And that's the last time that I've seen him. And I backed out. I I did a bunch of things after I got out of the tree to kind of glass and see if I could see him, you know, standing out in the field or getting up and down. Haven't seen him. Been kind of glassing all day from a really good vantage point behind the house here behind the barn over this field. And um, the last time that he betted on that fourth time, he betted in a low. It's not a crick at the moment, but it has the potential to be a crick on certain rains. And it's basically a, a drainage between two fields, and it can get real wet. And he basically betted in that water. And he got up, and he was making his way to a crick. And since then, we've been doing a bunch of research in terms of, like, I, I call it the dog tracker. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of the things that he was telling me, he says, hey, when you, when you shoot a deer in the gut or in the stomach or in the liver, he, he literally picked it out. I mean, he, he called it. He was like, and we're going to get this guy on the podcast eventually. We, yeah. we discussed that. So this is going to be a super interesting conversation. But the little bit that we discussed on a 20-minute phone call was, let me guess. The deer had his back hunched up. 
his tail was flickering like crazy and his ears were pinned back. And I said, yeah, that's exactly what happened. And it made me feel a lot better. And he said, if that's the case, you either hit him in the stomach or the, you know, the liver. He says, for me to come out and do my deal, I usually require at least eight hours for a liver shot, 12 hours if it's a stomach shot. And I mean, this is a once in a lifetime beer. I mean, we've, we've talked about this. And I think the other thing that helped too, is he told you, you know, in that case, it's not a matter if, if it was a mid body hit, whether it was liver or guts or whatever, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when that deer is going to die. And he said, after he um, told you that he was probably hunched up, ears pinned back, all that, he asked you if there was water nearby. And he said that deer is going to go lay down in the water and die because they run a super, the, super high yeah. fever. That's that's the whole idea. Is that in that moment they're going into shock. They're they're running a super high fever and they're just trying to find a way to cool their body down. That's why you see a lot of deer when they get shot. They they do go to these wet locations and like they'll they'll bed in these these cool areas to die. And a creek is a real cool place mm-hmm. in the shade. Didn't you say you saw a doe come up and lick his wound? Great great memory dead like it was the most incredible thing that i've ever seen because the every time a doe would because i was in a really awesome hunting spot i mean there was deer all over this morning and first time i'd ever been in there first ever hunt on the new farm ever first ever hunt i mean i had i shot a I shot a turkey this spring with my bow which was an epic hunt too but like first ever deer hunt with a bow on the property specifically i'm hunting for this buck and I only hunted for him for, I mean, I was in the tree stand from 5.30 till 7. Before you shot him. I mean, the first five minutes of light, I, I got an arrow in him. Mm-hmm. It was just completely epic. Came into 18 yards and shot him broadside. And we haven't found the arrow yet. That's Have not found the arrow that's yet. That's another thing, because that'll tell us a lot once we can finally look at that. But, yeah, back to what you were saying, there's deer everywhere. Every time a doe would walk up to this deer... Because there was like three occasions where a doe had walked in this same general vicinity, the buck would get up, the Holy Spirit would get up, and he would go to his next bed. And so every time a deer was coming close, I was like praying that it wouldn't go because I didn't want it to keep getting up. I just wanted to lay down. And the second deer that came up to him actually licked the wound. And I'm glassing him at 70 yards. Like there's no mistaking what I saw. And it, it's almost like we were looking at all these trail cameras, right? That's another key part of this whole thing was like the trail cameras. There's a trail camera. At, at this site, right, the stand is specifically set up between the bedding area and the scrape social um, site where all these deer are getting great photos of deer all year. And I'm right situated in the middle on a stand, and I heard a scrape that morning, or this morning, I'm sorry, heard a scrape this morning, and five minutes later, here he comes. So I knew he'd made a scrape, so we checked his camera, and he's he's the he's the dominant buck in here. When that buck is in there, there's no other deer that has antlers on it that we're getting on picture. Mm-hmm. And that could just be coincidence. We might have, you know, cameras on the other side of it or whatever. It might be more bucks, but I think the deer know this buck. I mean, he's a just, oh, like, yeah. he's a behemoth. He rules the roost for sure. So, like, all these doe come up to him, and they're, like, super friendly with him. Like, oh, I remember you from last year. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like it's his brothel. Yeah. I'm serious. Like, I've yeah. never seen anything like it. The amount of intel, the amount of research and glassing and, like, it's it's amazing. So, and I don't think we even said this yet, but so so you shot him. We have not tracked him. We have not done anything yet. You got out of there. That's yet to happen. So we're documenting this before we go back in. But yeah. um, you got an arrow in him, watched him for a while. 
took in a bunch of information and then slipped out of there and decided we'd go back in this evening. Yeah. My mind is all over the place yeah, right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Devin, <laughs> Devin's our director of uh, of audio, so he keeps us on track and makes sure that we're well, filling in all the cracks here. So so I get a call this morning yeah, at please. Like 7 o'clock. I mean, it's opening day. I had to work today, so I, I wasn't going to be in the woods this morning. plan was to get in the woods this evening. I get a call this morning, and I'm like in my house, like still putting my pants on, trying to get my, my totes and everything around to throw in the truck because I'm going hunting tonight. And trying to get out the door to work, and I get a call, and he's like, I pick up. Actually, I missed your first call, and I called you right back, and you're like, I just shot the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I start freaking out, and you're like, Devin, shut up. I need you to listen to me. I shot the Holy Spirit at 18 yards. <laughs> I don't even know if I hit him. And if I did hit him, I don't think it was a good hit. And yeah. it wasn't quite light enough for you to start assess- assessing everything yet, and I was like, okay, well, stay, just stay in the pocket, like, Sit still, watch, wait till wait till it gets light. You you just said something very key. Like when I released that arrow, it didn't. You didn't hear that like that th- like that yeah. thwap that you want to hear when you shoot a deer. It sounded like I shot in the grass, yep. and the deer bounded off, and I could see its tail, and I could see his antlers, and I was literally cursing. I was like, I was like, like I was like, yeah. I, I just blew it. I like thought I, you did. Oh, I, I was so furious. Here's the thing, and I could tell you. Obviously, your emotions were running high, but like you would give me a bit of information. You'd be like, gotta go back. And then you call me back again and give me a piece of information. I'm sending you a picture. Got to go back. And so, like, I'm, like, trying to piece together the pieces of puzzle. But the first thing you said to me was, uh, I shot him at 18 yards. I'm not sure if I hit him. He bounded 35 yards, and he just bedded down. And I was like, and then you hung up on me. And I'm like, okay, you definitely hit him. No deer is just going to get missed and then bound 35 yards and lay down. Like, if you really clean missed that deer, he'd be gone. Gone, yeah. So I, w- I immediately knew, and, and I think you even told me that his tail was flicking before you hung up. And so I immediately started saying, I think it's a liver hit. And this was before you were able to get the picture of him through the glass or anything. And so I was like, you know, <laughs> researching gut shot, liver shot, all these things. Um, and then I think uh, I think you called me back and you were like, um, he just got up, bet it again, got up, bet it again. And you kind of kept trying to keep me briefed, but you were also trying to keep eyes on him. So like I was, I was, I was glassing this deer, like, v- like, for hours, mm-hmm. like one to two hours after I, I, have you ever had that? You know, ability? two hours. Yeah, that's. I mean, usually you make a good hit and it dies and everything's good and it runs in the brush or whatever. But very rarely do you shoot a deer, hit it, and you get to watch what it does for the next. Like that was amazing weird. for me yeah. to be able. As weird as that is, I mean, it, it killed me to have him be in pain right and right. you can see that in all the videos we've took so i'm not trying yeah because you documented everything in the tree while you were yeah. watching them yeah i'm not sitting here telling you that but i mean like what great for the next time like what great insight you have on the next trail job mm-hmm. for somebody else like so you didn't have a, a instinct to want to get down get another arrow and maybe shoot him again oh 100 <laughs> percent. so what held you back like just the, how close he was <laughs> oh yeah he was he was I shot him at 18. He bounded 30 to 35 yards. He's 50 yards from my tree. That's the point where I asked you, I was like, did you even think about adjusting your sight and, and trying to get another one in him? Even if it yeah. wasn't a perfect shot, like get another one in the cavity. And you told me. It wouldn't. It, you're it like, wouldn't. I wrestled with that a lot on whether or not I was going to fling another arrow. But listen, but listen, but listen. So the first time, like at 55 yards, I didn't, I couldn't, I, there was no, I couldn't have shot. no way. Okay. The second time where he bounded off, or he didn't bound off, but the second bet he made yeah. and stood up. That's when I was really flirting with that idea. Where was he at there? How far from you? 70, 70. 69 yards. Yeah. And I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't, I just, I didn't. Yeah. And then, 
then you started the like again it was in between conversations because you'd call me and then hang up but i was you were really flirting with the idea of getting down and trying to make a stalk on this deer and for some reason my gut was like don't do it like if you bump this deer and push him you know up over the you know the berm and onto the the neighbor's prop like that could make it way tougher especially once i had heard he made three beds that close together i was like Mm -hmm. he's dying like don't let's not bump him something just told me don't be aggressive i hope you know we'll find out but i hope it was the right call but i just i feel like that deer was i think he's i think he's out there right now laying in the creek it's 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 amazing how i'm sure a lot of people like we, we talk about this a lot how when we're when we're we're doing we're killing animals yeah we we open ourselves up for a lot of criticism you know what i mean yep and i may or may not have made the right decision by not shooting again you know that's that's just like a real thing like yeah. maybe i maybe i didn't make the right choice however my my mindset at that point was like should i shoot again or should i not shoot again he's at 69 yards i i practice at 70 yards i practice at 80 yards i i, can, I know i can get you know within a paper size plate tight shot however I know for a fact by reading this deer's body language that at, you know, what, 70 yards, he was not spooked. Had I shot again, he could have spooked and just ran out of the country because I don't think he's ever been hunted in there. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say is, you know, the the flip side of that coin is you do shoot another arrow, you don't get an arrow in him, and it startles him to the point where it it pushes him wherever. I mean, that's that's another real concern. So. Yeah, it's like, okay, even if you get another one in, and maybe that, that helps expedite the process. But if you miss that second shot, that also has, you know, potential repercussions. So I think you've, I think you've made the right call. I really do. We, we are, like, about – like, we're about to go on a blood trail. Yeah, like, like understand the, the vulnerability and, like, the – just how high the nerves and tension and everything is right now. Like, literally, I was like – let's just let's document let's let's do a podcast right now so like this isn't this isn't planned this isn't scripted like we're we didn't plan on what we wanted to talk about we're trying to document all this well it's uh fresh so that we can you know look back on it and try to remember what we were thinking and so so on and i think that's what's so valuable as part of you know we we've talked about this is our first year filming and documenting a lot of our hunts some of those videos that you took in the tree right after you shot him are literally going to be invaluable into helping us track this deer tonight Mm -hmm. because you were filming where he was, where bed one was, where bed two was. Um, You know, we have trees and landmarks and like things to go off of the adrenaline that takes over when you shoot a deer, especially a deer this big. Like, had you just been trying to recall that out of your brain and explain it to somebody else who wasn't there? It's a lot tougher. Yeah. So now we can literally look at, oh, okay, he was here. If we walk to this point, like, we're going to find blood. Yep. That's, I mean, that's huge. That's going to save us. Oh, that's going to help. So, dude, I mean, you, you're hitting it on all cylinders. I I do not expect to find a blood trail. We did find blood at the site of the arrow where it exited. And uh, just from Glaston for a while, the entry wound was sopped up. There was nothing. You know, if anything was coming out, it was out of the, the exit wound. But I, I didn't really go much further past the point of impact because of the actual distance between the last point I saw the deer and where I was. Just it wasn't that far. I wasn't going to crunch through the, the tall grass and spook him out of, the, you know, the county. But so there's a lot that we do not know, like at the moment. Here's the thing that, that I've been thinking about over the last couple 
minutes or half hour or so is <clears throat> if he was running through an open field, um, I'd be less con or I'd be more concerned. But this this CRP and this stuff he was walking through is really tall. So even though he's not dripping, I expect to see stuff that was rubbing up against him, like that height. Mm. I think we're gonna find blood. Even if he's not dripping, it's gonna be pulling off of him as he's walking through that grass. That's what we need to be paying attention for. I think that's gonna help us a lot. And I can definitely, you know, like I said, or like you said, the beds. We can go to the beds and definitely. I'm sure we we'll can, find blood. We there. can go to the beds. Um, and like and like you were, I mean, so when you got in this morning. The trail we prepped way earlier this season had been way overgrown. Mm -hmm. You said it was like 12 feet tall. Oh, yeah. So this deer's walking through a lot of this stuff. Again, even if he's not pouring out blood and dripping on the ground, that's, that that stuff's going to be rubbing up against him, and there's going to be something. And we j that's all we need is something. The trail that we prepped, the actual part that we prepped was actually, it became a deer path naturally. Yeah, they but started like, using it. Everything on the sides just caved in. Ah, okay. So it like it made this like... What do you call this? Canopy. Like a, yeah. And the deer were just going under it. <laughs> like a tunnel. It was exactly a tunnel. Yeah. And so me going through there, I mean, I'm not going to get down on my hands and knees and crawl through a tunnel, but so it was like I'm walking through this. It was crazy. It was loud. Yeah. Um. I, uh, <laughs> I, I felt, I, I still feel really bad. I like, I don't, I know all the science and everything, but like to me, it's not a done deal until I got that deer in the barn. In the barn, like yeah, like I. This the science and the stats and talking to people, it's great. Like, I feel real bad. Like that deer was really, really important to me. Like, just super important to me. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I, mean, I I I've envisioned this, I've envisioned this day for such a long time, and how it was gonna happen, how it was gonna go down, and honest to God, it <laughs> it happened pretty pretty darn close to what I imagined. But I mean, you, like you drew it up. And I just, the, the shot, I mean. I the shoulda, coulda, woulda is hard because if he came through 10 minutes later and it was a little more light or whatever, I mean, you could play this over in your head a million times. Yeah. Um, But I think what I kept saying to you earlier is like, you know, what's happened happened. Like we have to, we have to be smart in how we handle this. So let's, let's get out of there. Let's take our time. Yeah. Let's, let's do all these things. Like let's do the rest of this right not that you didn't do that right, but what I'm saying is, like, we can't control what already happened. We can control what happens between now and you putting your hands on his antlers. Let's do those things right. Yeah, 100%. Let's be diligent. The, so, uh, yeah, for sure. Because it's easy. Like, I want to run down there right now, right to the side of the impact. I want to look for the arrow. I want to do all these things. But, yeah, I mean, got to be methodical. If you hunt long enough, you, these things this happen. And, but I, it just sucks. It really does. You don't want to. You don't want to see a deer that you really enjoy to be in pain. And yeah, it sucks. It really does. It's a. It's a unique feeling. If you, if you're not a hunter and you're listening to this, it's just. It's such a unique thing. But I, I really do think that we're gonna. We're gonna get on him. I, I, I'm. I'm. I'm confident he's gonna be down there somewhere. And if we can't find him, we're we're gonna get a dog. Get a, a dog in here or something. Yeah. I think he's dead. I know he's, he's dead. not spooked. He didn't go far. Yep. He's gonna bed down, and I think we're gonna find him somewhere. Yep. I really do. Yep. I think beyond that, we could keep rambling, but that I mean, that at least gives a quick update. Like that's that's where our minds are at before we go yep. take up the trail on this deer. So, all right, stay tuned.